Welcome back here to the courtroom of current events with Peter's Proffer. Today we are going to be answering a listener question on double jeopardy. They asked what it actually is, what cases it applies to, and how it works in reality. So we're going to dive into uh, double jeopardy. We're not going to talk about Tommy Lee Jones or Ashley Judd or what it looks like in the movies. We're going to talk about what it looks like in real life. So thanks for the question. If any of you guys have questions, hit us up on social media at Tragos Law or send me an email, PeterTragos at GreekLaw.com. We're also looking out for any uh, reviews or five-star ratings on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, we're going to start doing giveaways if people do those ratings and, and uh, comments. So we're going to keep an eye out for that and keep listening to see what that prize is and how you can be part of the giveaway. So for now, let's get to the music. Alright, so today we are diving into Double Jeopardy. I've got George Tragos, my dad here, and Pete Sardis, our partner. They are the criminal defense guys here in our firm, so they've dealt with this a lot more than I have. Um, and let's just kind of start out by getting into what Double Jeopardy is and what it or and where it comes from, because I think a lot of people think the only thing in the Fifth Amendment is the right to remain silent. But what else is in the Fifth Amendment? Well, there's a lot in there, and I, I think this is a good topic because double jeopardy is one of the most misunderstood concepts in the law. I mean, people think, gosh, you know, you're, you're tried once, you can never be tried again. But there's all sorts of exceptions, all sorts of rules. Uh, it started in the Fifth Amendment. You're right. We're a right to remain silent, but there's a whole bunch in there besides right to remain silent, including double jeopardy. So that means you can't be convicted twice of the same crime, but what's not in there and what the courts have ruled they're saying by the same sovereign. And that's an important distinction. Right. So in addition to the right to remain silent, the Fifth Amendment also has language in it that says that you won't be subject for the same, you won't be tried for the same offense and twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall you be compelled to, uh, in any criminal case, be a witness against yourself, which again is the, the right to remain silent part of it. There's also a really important part of the Fifth Amendment laws just covering it, and that's due process that nothing can happen to you in this country without having due process, without your right to go to court. So the Fifth Amendment just covers all sorts of areas. And, and double jeopardy, I guess, is kind of part of due process as well, because the due process that's supposed to be taken one time, if it's done right for the same facts and the same crime, it shouldn't be able to be done against you again. Correct. That's kind of part of it. Okay, so let's, uh, and this goes all the way back to like Athenian times and um, colonial times and where double jeopardy actually comes from. But what is the purpose of double jeopardy? Why do we have it in the Constitution? Why, um, why do people need to be protected by double jeopardy? Well, first things first, let me just clarify. Yes, the Greeks invented everything good. <laughs> the concept of trial by jury and the concept of double jeopardy does go back to those, to those times. And the, the theory behind it is that you don't want to be in a situation where the government can wear you down to try to convict you by taking you to trial over and over again. Because the government has um, basically untapped resources that can be used that they can use against you with law enforcement, FBI agents, investigators, prosecutors. They can try you 50 times if they think somebody really did it, but they can't get them convicted. So they can just try you over and over and over and over again and basically ruin someone's life or make them waste all their money hiring lawyers over and over and over again if they keep winning this criminal case. Well, it's a protection for the citizen. All of the amendments, the, the, those, uh, the Bill of Rights, 
All of those are protections for citizens against the government. That's why they were written. And this is, again, protection of the citizen against a government that isn't going to treat them fairly. Right. And another reason for double jeopardy, and Dad, you can talk about this with a lot of your cases and clients that you see this at the end of a case, but there's something to the finality and integrity of a criminal proceeding. And double jeopardy preserves that because without that finality, meaning if you're not guilty of that crime, or even if you're guilty of that crime and you serve your sentence, knowing that it's over, what psychologically does that mean to your clients at the end of the case, as opposed to something that just keeps going over and over and over again, or if you get a hung jury like Pete and I did on a case and it just hangs over your client for years and years and years? Well, who wants to wake up every morning wondering whether or not they're going to prison? That's what the person will think about if they didn't have a final verdict that found them not guilty. But you do raise an interesting issue with regards to your uh, case where you had a hung jury. Having a hung jury doesn't mean that there's double jeopardy. They'll be able to try them again. Exactly. And we'll get into why and where that distinction is later. But let's finish up with the policy reasons, basically, of why we have double jeopardy. And another one is it restricts and makes prosecutors or the government decide carefully what they're going to charge people with. They don't just willy-nilly charge somebody with a crime and think if I don't get them for that, I'll get them for something else on the same charges because Double Jeopardy has some protections with that. Well, yes and no. Yes, they can't charge them for the same crime, but it doesn't mean they can't charge them for another crime, even though it's related to that crime. Well, that's not necessarily true either because they can't charge them for lesser included that can be included on the verdict form of a criminal case either. They they can charge, for instance, if you do fraud where you stole money from Joe and you're found not guilty, but you also stole money from Jim, they can try you for that fraud. Exactly, But, but they can't charge you for you know, grand theft based on a number and then charge you for the lesser, like, okay, you actually only stole a lesser number on a second trial. If they're talking about the same money, no, they can't. Exactly. So it's, there is some lesser included crimes that are included in double jeopardy. Or they charge you for murdering a person. You're found not guilty. They can't charge you for shooting that person. Or battery. Exactly. Exactly. So that is all included, which we'll get into further later. Um, Okay. So then the The last one on here is eliminating judicial discretion to impose cumulative punishments that the legislature has not authorized. Well, that just means that the the judge can't sentence you twice for the same case. That's also part of double jeopardy. So if you're sentenced for five years, they can't give you another five years and tack it on uh, if the legislature didn't approve a 10-year sentence. Okay, so next now let's get into what proceedings double jeopardy actually applies to. All right. In the actual verbiage of the Fifth Amendment, it talks about infamous and capital crimes, which in today's terms would be uh, murder. Anything could be charged with uh, with death or a felony. That's what a uh, infamous crime is. But that's not necessarily where the the the, uh, the discussion stops. There are Supreme Court um, decisions that have extended double jeopardy to misdemeanors. Uh, felonies, and anything that actually has some sort of criminal component to it. Because it's got to threaten your life or limb, and that can include pretty much any jail time, not just... I mean, it really can can uh, include any crime, period, because crimes are punitive, but some people have tried to argue that it should also apply to civil cases that have punitive damages. But they don't, they don't risk life or limb because exactly. all it is is money. And when it's just money, double jeopardy doesn't apply. So double jeopardy does not apply to a civil case, even if it is on the same facts and the same parties as a criminal case. 
So, for example, I punch George and I get convicted of that crime. It is not double jeopardy then for him to sue me for that same exact crime. So when we're talking about the civil to criminal crossover, double jeopardy does not uh, is not involved in those cases, but it's also not involved in every criminal case that gets charged. So if you get charged with a crime, meaning arrested, and they say, you know, George, you are now arrested for murder, and then they drop those charges, double jeopardy has not come into play yet. So in, in the legal world, we talk about double jeopardy attaching to a case. Explain what that is and when it occurs. All right. Jeopardy attaches, meaning you it uh, it's triggered at different times depending on where you are in the proceedings. Normally, uh, uh, Jeopardy attaches when the jury is sworn in, if there is, in fact, a jury trial. Now, there are times where you can have a criminal trial where you don't have a jury. You do it what's called a bench trial. And bench trial uh, Jeopardy attaches when a uh, the first witness is sworn in the case. Now, there are other types of cases where Jeopardy attaches are not technically criminal. They're delinquency matters. Those are for juveniles. We don't technically charge children with crimes. We call it delinquency. And that Jeopardy attaches when the first bit of evidence uh, is actually introduced. So basically the trial has to start before Jeopardy attaches. So if you're charged with a crime and then it's dropped, they can charge you later with that same crime, right? Yeah, that's correct. So, and even in cases in trial, you go to trial, you pick your jury, and a lot of times we'll pick a jury, and then we'll break for that day and come back the next day just to preserve Jeopardy from attaching, meaning there are a lot of things that are done behind the scenes in criminal cases or criminal trials, if some of you guys have been involved in it as a juror or as a party, as a witness, whatever, there are things that the lawyers and the judges do to protect this double Jeopardy so that if a juror gets sick or if something happens where the state can't come back the next day, they can still you know, drop those charges or move the trial without jeopardy attaching and them not being able to go forward against that defendant on the same case. That's why the judges don't normally swear the jury in until you're actually going to start presenting evidence. And swearing the jury in is just a process of the judge making the jurors take an oath saying that, you know, they're going to follow the law and things like that and giving them their initial instructions. Right. And there's a lot of things that can happen even after you swear the jury in that can affect whether or not double jeopardy kicks in. And this is so important because once jeopardy, once double jeopardy attaches or jeopardy attaches, then if something happens where this case goes away, they cannot, the defendant cannot be tried or prosecuted for that again. So that's why attachment is so important. Well, you know, I don't want to generalize too much because if you're convicted of that crime, you appeal it. And, you, and the appeal is successful, that means that you're ordered a new trial, double jeopardy didn't attach because you appealed that case. You chose to appeal it. It comes back for a second trial, so you can be tried twice. It did attach. It did it, attach, but right. you waive it by appealing. Right. So you it does actually tried, attach. You can be tried twice to the point is from the same crime. Right. And there are, there are a million different nuances that can get into why you, know, you end up having the same trial on the same facts on the same crimes multiple times, and appeal is one of them. But that's a decision you're making as the defendant to appeal that saying something went wrong to invalidate that first trial. Therefore, I need a new trial. But if you don't appeal it or say there's something invalid about that trial, then jeopardy attaches and you know that that sentence is final. And after you serve that sentence, you cannot be tried again for that crime. And recognize there's the other side to jeopardy attaching, which is jeopardy terminating. And that's kind of where you have to understand that jeopardy is attached when the jury is sworn, which means proceedings are now underway. When it's on a bench trial, when the first witness is sworn, 
we are now beginning. But until verdict, there's a lot that can happen that starts that trial over. But once that verdict is published, Jeopardy has terminated at that point. So they can't bring you back on board to try for the same thing twice. Okay, so now let's talk about some of the nuances that we've referenced already. And let's talk about some of the things that that people don't understand or that don't come out in movies that actually mess up Double Jeopardy. And you can get tried for what seems like the same crime and the same facts multiple times. And Dad, why don't you start by talking about the jurisdictional issue of being tried for the same, you know, whatever you want to call it, RICO, fraud, whatever, might have a state and federal overlap. How does jurisdiction work into Double Jeopardy? Well, it's very difficult for a layman to understand that in the United States, the individual states are sovereign, and the United States government is sovereign. So they're separate, basically. They're separate sovereigns, because we were formed that way in this country. So there are certain things that the states have total authority over that the federal government can't mess with. Because they're separate sovereigns, you can actually be tried for a federal offense and a state offense, even though it was the same offense, the same facts, because the state conviction and the federal conviction are not double jeopardy because there are different sovereigns. And a lot of times, just in reality, that doesn't happen very often because a lot of times the, the federal government will um, well, there's actually a defer written, to the state if it's a state crime that they're already trying this person on. There is a written policy at the Department of Justice that says to not do that. The Department of that. Justice is the federal right. prosecutor. That says not to do that. Right. So, But there are exceptions. For instance, my guess is they'll make an exception for the guy who did the pipe bombs, or they'll make an exception for the person that uh, did the synagogue shooting. Right. If he were to get, right, right. If he were to get off in the state level, or for some or reason, or sometimes they they try them both and convict them for both, and they sentence point. them to both. Right. So I guess the option is there for the for the different jurisdictions to um, try for the same crime, and that's why it, the double jeopardy seems like it's broad, but it's actually very narrow. And usually it's not done because it's not cost effective. I mean, you think about it. Why try a person twice for the same crime? He's going to jail for life and he's going to go seven lifetimes or whatever. Why spend the money? So there's a cost reason for not prosecuting somebody federally and state for the same crime. There was a track of cases that I remember, George, years ago that I used to handle. And do you remember when when, um, the federal government would prosecute basically nickel and dime crack users and dealers. And what they would do is they would pick up guys that got convicted their third time on a drug offense in state court and then recharge them for that exact same offense in federal court because they wanted to attach that 10 or 15 year minimum mandatory sentence to it. Right. And they also wanted sometimes they want to confiscate the money that's involved. It's a big argument. Okay, where does the money go if we've arrested somebody right. and we've got all their money? Does it go to the state or does it go to the feds? Right. Um, so jurisdiction can can sometimes cloud the double jeopardy argument as to whether or not it's the same crime and the same facts. Um, okay, so now let's talk talk a little bit about the same crime and the same facts. So we kind of touched on it earlier, but how does sometimes the state get around the same crime or same facts argument? You mentioned if you steal from Jim and from Joe in the same transaction, they can try you against Jim and then they can try you against Joe. What are some other scenarios where the same facts can be kind of gray to where they can try you for the same thing over and over again if they don't get a conviction the first try. Let's say you're a doctor. Let's say Medicare fraud. They've got 50 claims they're charging you with. Well, you're found not guilty on those 50. Well, they've got another 50 claims over here that they can charge you with because they weren't included in the first 50 claims. So that's how they get around it is by having independent facts not included in the one charge for the second charge. 
and one that I read uh, earlier was uh, earlier this year. I can't remember. It was either, I think it was the state Supreme Court of whatever state this happened in had this double jeopardy appeal where a defendant was charged with three cu- crimes. It was like burglary, um, battery, and then like possession of drugs. And he had a previous drug charge. So they were the prosecution was trying to bring in evidence of his previous drug charge, and the defendant filed a motion to bifurcate the trial and do the burglary and the and the battery together and the drug charge separately because he thought it would be uh, bad to bring in his previous conviction during the burglary and, and battery trial um, if they knew he had a previous conviction, but it was going to come in in the possession uh, trial. So they bifurcate the trial. He goes to trial and gets not guilty for the burglary and the battery. So then when they go to try him on the same day, same facts that happened on a possession of uh, drugs charge, his lawyers then file for double jeopardy, saying he was already tried on these facts, he was already tried for all these situations, and he was found not guilty. And the Supreme Court came down and said, no way, because you chose to bifurcate these trials. You chose to take that risk and getting tried twice for the same facts. And so you and, and, and you thought it would be to your benefit to keep that previous drug charge out, so they are going to let him get tried a second time. But that's another thing. I guess if you, like you're saying, if out of the same facts comes multiple crimes, it's a one-shot type of deal usually. Yeah. One of the things people don't realize about their constitutional rights is that it's your right to waive if you want to, but it's your choice as a defendant. Sometimes during the course of trials, we have a situation where there's a huge mistake that occurs in the trial. And you as a defense lawyer have to make a decision. Do I move for a mistrial and have a second and trial? That's it. So that's a separate thing. So that's what I want to talk right. about next is... So a, a lot of times that trial will start and then something will happen to cause a mistrial. Why doesn't double jeopardy attach in that situation? Well, if the defense lawyer moves for a mistrial, he is making a choice at that point to dismiss the case at that point to try it a second time without the mistake in it. So when you make a choice, like a defense lawyer makes a choice for move for mistrial, that's not going to be double jeopardy because you're waiving that situation. And what usually happens in that case where the jurors and the witnesses and they can't see what happens, but what does a judge do in that case usually? A colloquy is what I'm looking for. Oh, yes. A, a judge will sit there and make sure that the defendant knows, look, if I grant this mistrial, you understand you're going to be tried all over again. This doesn't end the case. And so they, what they do is they kick everybody out of the courtroom except the prosecutor, the defense attorney, and the defendant. And the judge actually just looks the defendant in the eye and says, are you okay with this? Do you realize that this trial is throwing out? If you thought you were going to win this trial, you don't get to see what happens here. You're throwing it out and we're doing another trial and it's not double jeopardy. And the defendant has to say yes so that if we go to trial again later and lose, he can't come back and say it was the lawyer's fault for stopping this trial because I would have won that first trial. And that's why prosecutors don't move for mistrials. Right. Because if a prosecutor moves for a mistrial and it's granted, then jeopardy would attach and it's all over. But, okay, so so, so why don't defense lawyers then do stuff purposefully to cause a mistrial. Well, unfortunately, some unethical defense lawyers might do some things that cause a mistrial. It might happen. But in reality, you can get uh, disciplined by the bar. You right. can get disbarred. You can get held in contempt of court. The, the judge can throw you in jail. Yeah. There are all sorts of things yeah. So things and reasons why Normally, you it's mistakes like a prosecutor accidentally saying that your client claimed his Fifth Amendment right, which a jury is not supposed to hear. Or, or I've heard a prosecutor say in opening statements, the defendant will testify. That's right. a mistrial right there because the defendant doesn't have to testify. Right. Those kind of mistakes are what justify the mistrials. And that's one of the terms of art. It's in the interests of justice, you're going to be retried and your jeopardy attachment doesn't preclude you from being retried on those facts. Okay, next let's talk about a hung jury situation. So we go through an entire trial on a crime and the jury does not convict the defendant. 
they they don't come to a, a an agreement, meaning they're a hung jury. In criminal cases, you have to have a unanimous decision from the six jurors in state court. You don't come to a unanimous decision, and they end up not coming to a verdict. Why doesn't double jeopardy attach in that case? Because there's no finality. The verdict has not been rendered. Therefore, the case cannot be uh, resolved, and we start all over again. To our dismay, because we're going to be doing it here soon. Okay, so we talked about uh, what if a defense lawyer purposefully does something to cause a mistrial. What if a prosecutor thinks it's going really badly for them and they want a mistrial so they can retry the case and want the defendant to agree that Jeopardy's not going to attach? What if they do something on purpose, and we'll call it prosecutorial misconduct, they do something on purpose to, to cause a mistrial to try to get us to do this case again because it's going badly for them? Well, before when we said a defense lawyer moves for a mistrial, then you know, you're, you're waiving your right to complain about double jeopardy. But if you're forced to do it, if some prosecutor does something so outrageous and the judge finds it was so outrageous you were forced to move for that mistrial, in that case, double jeopardy will attach and they won't be able to retry you again. So, that's, so you just win at that point because it is a mistrial. The judge is not going to allow this to continue to go in front of the jury because of the actions of the prosecutor and they don't have the opportunity to retry your defendant on these crimes. Right. It was like the mistrial was not freely and voluntarily moved for. You were forced to do it. Because it wasn't a mistake a, of some sort. A witness right. just says something they shouldn't have said. It wasn't unintentional. It wasn't right. an accident. It was deliberate. Okay. And for the, uh, for the last one that we're going to get into on whether or not double jeopardy attaches, what happens if you go through a trial, a murder trial, let's say, and you win as the defense attorney. It's a not guilty verdict. And then six months later, the prosecutor finds the smoking gun, the murder weapon, an eyewitness that they didn't have before, new compelling evidence that they can bring before the judge that shows your client was very likely guilty. Can they get around double jeopardy in that case, even though they have already tried the crime, same facts, and it was not guilty against the defendant? Tough luck for the prosecution. When it's over, it's over. Double jeopardy attached. You can only be found not guilty once. And I don't care what evidence they find after that. You can't be tried for that crime. So no matter what evidence they find, it's not going for a second trial. Absolutely. On the same charge, same facts. You know, it's happened. Interesting way it's happened. You get stopped and you get a reckless driving ticket. You run in, you plead guilty to the ticket, you get sentenced. Later on, they find out that you're guilty of manslaughter. Somebody died because of your reckless driving. They can't charge you with the manslaughter now because you've already been convicted of the reckless driving. On the same facts. Yes. Right. Okay, so to finish up, let's talk about some famous cases where double jeopardy did or did not attach. And we can start out with, you know, first the most famous case probably is the O.J. Simpson murders. Well, what do you want to talk about the murders? He only had one trial for the, for the, the criminal case. Um, well, what I want to talk about, since you don't know what I'm talking about, I want to talk about the fact that he wrote a book after yep. that basically makes it seem like he did murder her and he can't get tried again for it. He uh, got sued from the families um, of the victims, and I, I can't. I think he settled out of court. No, of those. no, he success. There was a success, successful suit. They got money. Right, but yeah. that was not double jeopardy. No. So there's all sorts of elements of double jeopardy around the O.J. Simpson trial. You know, first being people thought he was guilty in the first place, even though he got off. Then he made statements afterwards that made it sound like he was guilty, and they still couldn't do anything to convict him or try him again on that, and the civil implications of it. And he's and he lost his Heisman Trophy because they seized it. <laughs> right. So he got punished over and over for something that he actually was found not guilty on. So I, I, did he did he make any motions or anything for double jeopardy based on the civil cases or anything else that you know of? I, he very well may have, but those are what we call those are collateral to the criminal case. 
So once that verdict was rendered not guilty, he can get, actually could have gone outside the courthouse and said, yep, I sure as heck did do it and walked home because there would have been nothing the state could have done to prosecute him. Now, in regards to the civil cases, Jeopardy doesn't apply to civil cases. Which we've already explained, yeah, but yeah. So he's going to get sued and everybody that has a lawsuit against him can bring them independently or collectively. That's their choice. And that's what they did. And then he's got the remaining issues. Uh, for example, George says the Heisman Trophy got, uh, you know, was seized. And obviously he had some major issues when he tried to seize it back from the pawnbroker in Las Vegas and wound up getting himself arrested for, uh, for burglary. You know, the same things happen in these police brutality cases where the police a lot of times are found not guilty of, of a shooting or a murder, but the family still sues the city for the actions of that police officer, even though they were found not guilty. Well, we've got the Rodney King case, where we have a video of the police officers beating this guy up. They went to trial in state court. They were found not guilty. Well, that was a state case. The feds then were so outraged about it, they charged him with criminal civil rights violations, and they were convicted in federal court. Which is another nuance we talked about, and that's a jurisdictional issue, even though he's tried on the same facts. Since one was state and one was federal, that's how they got around double jeopardy in that case. Right. Okay. And even though I said we weren't going to talk about it, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen the movie Double Jeopardy, it's also an interesting fact pattern that they come up with in the movie where this uh, woman uh, was alone on a boat drinking with her husband who ends up bloody and dead and she has his blood all over him and she gets convicted of murdering him, goes, serves her sentence, and when she gets out, she sees him somewhere because he faked his death and he didn't actually die and he was still living, walking around, and she makes this plan to then go murder him for real because he set her up for his murder. And so then the whole movie was about the fact that she then went and murdered him and couldn't get convicted of murdering him a second time because Double Jeopardy wouldn't attach. But that may not actually be true. No, it might not because if you didn't have an actual murder the first time and you had an actual murder the second time, mm -hmm. it might be it might be different. And it would be different facts yeah. because the first time she stabbed him on a boat, the second time I don't remember how she murdered and him. In a different jurisdiction. Exactly. So there's lots of holes in that movie. But it's an interesting fact pattern. Like you're committed of a crime that never actually happened. Can you go back then and commit the crime that you got convicted of? Yeah, I guess you could convict it. Well, then it's a different day and stuff good, like that. Good too, question. But, but it's, a, it's a fun movie. Uh, okay. I wouldn't try it for those yeah, of you that are yeah, thinking about so, it. Uh, so thanks for uh, the question and thanks for listening in with us. And uh, we'll be back with you guys the next time. <laughs>